Welcome to Gardening Talk Back on a Monday afternoon. Scott Sharp here, joined by myself, Greg Richard. <laughs> so you mixed it up then. <laughs> you did, didn't you? I was getting confused who was actually going to be here with me there for a moment. A little bit. Well, yeah. maybe we, could, we would have been sitting in different seats. Yeah, well, someone was going to just pop up and say, joined by me. <laughs> Scott Sharp, what do you got for us today, mate? Well, it's Christmas, so I thought we'd talk about uh, the mistletoe and uh, what to do underneath it. Yep. Yeah, we're having a, a family... This is a PG-rated show, you know. It is, and we can, get, we can get by that. We, we can handle that. Uh, we're having a, a uh, dinner discussion the other evening. Yeah. Yeah, in, um, exclamation marks, uh, high, um, high arg- end. Yeah. <laughs> argument. <laughs> okay, yep. Yes, uh, about what's the fastest growing tree out there. So I've done some research about that. We're actually talking about radiata pine, so I'll try and solve that, and we'll talk about what the slowest growing plant is as well. Oh, very good. What about the most medium growing? It's somewhere in between. (laughs) And waiting very patiently, we've got Mick from Firm Bay, and he's got a question about a bleeding heart. How can we help you with your bleeding heart, Mick? Oh, g'day, guys. How are you? It's good. Yeah, yeah, well. Mate, is it possible to grow a bleeding heart from a cutting? Yes, most certainly. You you, you will be able to grow a bleeding heart from a cutting. So, uh, What's the secret? Yeah, so a, a bleeding heart is a, is a very fast-growing climber. It's um, actually yeah. um, native to a sort of tropical Africa, so it will grow here in Newcastle. Uh, probably yeah, I've got a really nice one. Yeah, does it uh, burn off maybe a little bit in winter just when it gets yes, too cold? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. But yes, look, the great yes. thing about climbers is they grow so quickly that they, you know, they'll come back for you once we get into the warmer weather right. again. So look, with climbers, the the thing to do is, and and it's general with any plant as well. When you're taking a cutting, you're never getting those really flesh, you know, fleshy new green sort of tendrils up the top. You're actually right. trying to go back to where it's, you know, still green, but it's just starting to harden off. And, uh, you know, you know, sort of get a little bit barky. And that's yep. where you take your cuttings from in that spot there. Okay. Yep. And so then you get a uh, hormone powder and uh, always right. dip it in that and a propagation mix because they're very well, it drains away, it doesn't stay soggy. And then you just water it as normal. And uh, especially at this time of year with a clerodendron, you should get that to strike very easily. Not a problem. Yep. I'll try that. Okay, good on you. And, and I thank you very much. Not a problem. Have a nice afternoon, Mick. Cheers, guys. Okay, Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Mick. We've got Jan now from Morissette, and she needs advice about apple trees. Uh, how can we help you with it, Jan? Um, the apples are falling off the tree, and they're only probably the size of golf balls. And uh, it's like they got... You know how flies go with a line in the inside of them? Mm-hmm. But they don't get fly, do they? They get cuddle and moss. Uh, well, look, any, any fruit like that can get fruit fly, uh, apples as well. Have you ever, oh. have you had much success growing uh, apples at Morissette before? Or? Well, the last year, the, it's, at, it's at Macquarie Hills where the, the sun's got his. Yep. Uh, yes, it's growing fine, but uh, last year there was only a, a couple on it. Yeah. And they, the birds or something picked them off. There was only a couple, but this year it's, it's, they're all over it, but they just got this uh, like line in them, you know how the fly go into the yeah. centre, and, yes. and they're falling off. Yeah, so look at growing apples. Growing apples here in Newcastle is actually pretty difficult because it's it's just too hot, uh, and and the apples actually need the the chill factor to get you know a nice uh, shape on them and a nice you know sort of uh, you know taste to them as well and make them sweet. And that's why you largely see them grown you know well, west of the ranges, apples. yeah, in uh, orange and you know those sort of places where it's a bit cold down around parks down around those areas and in, uh, into Victoria. Uh, look, you can grow them. Uh, in some places here, you know, out around Cessnock, Mulberry, you know, where the, you get those oh, sort of yeah, hollows and it gets, cool. yeah, it gets mm-hmm. cool in winter. Uh, so you might get the plant to grow 
you know, all right here in Newcastle. It's a pretty technical term, I know, but you might not necessarily get it to fruit as well as you want it to. And the other thing that's going to happen is it's going to be a little bit more susceptible to pest and disease. Now, apples can get fruit fly just like any other, you know, peaches, any stone fruit, uh, you know, uh, any uh, citrus as well will get it. Uh, So you just have to try and treat for fruit fly as well. Unfortunately, as far as the cold goes, you can't do too much about that. Uh, Just make, you know, again, if you just want a nice looking plant, uh, make sure the plant's well fed. And just hope for sort of uh, really nice icy cold winters here in Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. But right. uh, but otherwise, just treat for fruit flies you normally would uh, with uh, oh, yeah, with trapping. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fruit fly traps. Uh, you know, you can get some malathon and Vegemite, and uh, you know, put it uh, on the trunk or sorry, you know, on a stake or something nearby the tree, uh, because you know that's what we do with tomatoes. So just try and treat uh, the fruit fly in the same way you should treat it for How any do you other do plant. That? Yeah, so uh, look, a good one, a good old trick, uh, you know, if you've got tomatoes, usually they've got a tomato steak. So what you do is you get some Vegemite and yeah. some Malathon and you mix it into a paste and then you can paint that on the, uh, you know, like on the tomato steak that's uh, holding up the tomato. And oh. yeah, and the fruit fly, the female fruit fly is attracted into the Vegemite and they uh, have a bit of a taste of it and there's poison in there and it's like, all of a sudden, they they keel over dead. Uh, you can also make up a little trap as well using a uh, you know like one of those plastic uh, takeaway containers. Put a few holes in it and mix up that malathon and Vegemite paste and put it in there as well. Oh, good. Yeah. So uh, thank you. Yeah, that's all right. So look, if those yeah. apples are severely damaged, uh, look, really just pick them off now and discard them in a plastic bag in the garbage because you want to try and get rid of as much fruit fly larvae as you can. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Not a problem, Jan. You have a nice afternoon. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jan. And from apples, we go to lemons with Mark from YE, and he's got insects on his tree. What sort of insects are they, Mark? Yeah, hi, Scott. Um, Not quite sure. There's there's hundreds of thousands of these little bugs that are all covering up the new growth on the tree. Yes. And, like, going for the flowers, and it's still fruiting really well. It's an old tree, probably 20-year-old or something like that. Yep. Got these, they're like a little mite, or oh, it's hard to say what they are. They're yeah. bigger than a mite, but so it sounds like you've got a little throop on there. And and what happens is they come along and feed on all the new growth of the plant because it's still nice and soft, and they can actually get in there and have a bit of a you know a nibble away at it. They're actually yeah. sort of sucking the sap out of the out of the plant, uh, so it will deform all that new growth over time. So, look, unfortunately, to get rid of that, you do need to use some sort of insecticide. And, and the great thing about those is they're, you know, not a big sort of tough insect. You can use pyrethrum spray if you want to uh, to get rid of them. Uh, look, try and do it, uh, you know, early in the morning or at dusk when you uh, know the bees aren't going to be around. And uh, give, give it a spray then. The other thing you could use is eco oil as well. It acts as a preventative. And would actually coat those branches and and hopefully make you know some sort of barrier that those uh, little trips uh, you know won't necessarily be able to go through. They won't like going through it. Uh, so yeah, pyrethrum and uh, possibly some eco oil and see how you go with that. Okay, beautiful. Thank you, Scott. Okay, not a worry. You have a nice afternoon, Mark. Yes, you too. Okay, bye bye. And we've got Pamela from Wood Rising. She's got a question about camellias. Hey, Pamela, how can we help you? Yes, God. I've grown a I've grown a camellia plant from a seed. Excellent, excellent. Um, and it's about oh, probably about eight inches high. I'm wondering when's the best plant time to transplant it. So now the other thing I was going to say is it a japonica or a sasanqua camellia that you've grown? 
I couldn't tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> big, big glossy leaves or smaller? Yes, yeah, it's got yeah the big glossy leaves. Okay, so it sounds like you've got a japonica there. Now, how long's it been in the little pot that you've got it growing in? Well, it's not. It's in the ground. Oh, okay. So how long's it been there? Well, I only, I didn't. Well, I was that little, and I thought it. Had, my husband had pulled it out, but yesterday it, it's there. It's about eight inches high. Oh, good, good. Um, and it's sort of underneath the other bushes, so I want to know when I can transplant it. When would be the best time to transplant? I don't want to lose it if I can help it. Yeah, so you can you can transplant that now if you want to. Uh, the main thing is is to try and take as much soil as you possibly can. Look, only being eight inches high, you're not going to have to take uh, too much. You know, I guess if you put your spade in. Uh, you know, around it at a decent size and, uh, yep. you know, on all four sides and just take out a fair chunk of earth. Yep. And uh, then move it to wherever you want to and then just make sure it's really well watered. Oh, okay then. Yeah. I think you, you were making out that you'd grown it, but I think it might have just grown in underneath the existing plant. Well, I, 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 when I, the seeds fall, die off, I put them under the, and cover them over with mulch. Ah, okay, so it is your fault then. So, yeah, and yeah. this one's just grown. So, oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, so look, yeah, the main thing whenever you're transplanting a plant is to take as much soil as you possibly can. Never try and reef it out of the ground uh, yeah. because that damages all the little fine hair roots. And if you do find a root you can't get through, I don't think it's going to be a problem with yours. Yeah. Uh, always cut it nice and cleanly rather than try and drag it out because you do far more damage that way uh, rather than actually cutting it. Yeah, no, that's fine. Okay, look, no fertiliser, uh, just water, water, water. Maybe wait uh, two months or so and then give it some slow-release fertiliser just to try and boost it on. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. Okay, Scott. have a nice afternoon, Pamela. You too. Thank oh, you. Bye. Thanks, Pamela. We've got Cheryl now from Ellie Barner, and she's got a question about, well, it's one of my favourite chilies of all, Scotch bonnets. Ooh, here we go. It's going to be a hot topic. <laughs> How can we help you, Cheryl? Um, Scott, I've got um, a lovely Scotch bonnet chilies, and I've got dozens and dozens of on the vine this year on the bush, but they're rotting for some reason. Right, okay. I think we might let Greg answer this. He's the expert on Scotch bonnet. I don't know why they don't last that long, so. <laughs> well, you just eat them, do you? Yeah, yeah I okay. go straight through them. Yeah, look, um, when, when they're rotting like that, often it's some sort of blossom end rot that they've had. Uh, where, where are they actually rotting from? The base or from the sort of... On the base, on the base of the chilli. Yep. And um, they're lovely big plump ones and they feel lovely and fur, but then, you, then they start to rot down the base. And when I've opened them yeah. a couple of times... A couple of them had like uh, a grub or a maggot inside. Ah, okay. So it sounds like you've got fruit fly in that case in there, uh, and that's. It, it, oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah, look, yeah, they'll chilies will get fruit fly. Um, I don't know what sort of little um, fruit fly grubs they are in there, but they really like it hot. <laughs> but uh, so. Yeah. So unfortunately, you have to treat them almost the same way as you treat a tomato and uh, try your trapping for fruit fly. You can also spray as well as you, if you want to. Unfortunately, though, once they're you know, to the size they are now and you're saying they're rotting, uh, you know, it's a little bit too late. Uh, to treat for fruit fly, you have to treat usually when the, uh, you know, the fruit starts to set and it's still quite hard and green. And that's when you, that's when you start to protect the fruit that's on the, on the plant. Though. It's only a couple that had that inside it. The rest of them were, and the rest. Of, and I've got a chili garden with yep. all different types of chili. All the rest of the chilies are fine. All my tomatoes are fine too. I've got no fruit flies in tomatoes. Okay. Either. So I don't know. Yeah. Now the other thing they can get is is a type of blossom end rot. Have you got any fungicide at home? Yes. Yeah. So I would get some of that and and spray that as a preventative as well. 
But look, if you're already getting that rotting on the bottom of the uh, in, of the fruit in particular, uh, look, you probably discard that. You're not going to get it back. But uh, generally, you, you can spray your uh, your fungicide around as a preventative. It's not going to be harmful to any other insects or anything. Uh, you know, there's not really a withhold. There's only a very small withholding period on most fungicides. Uh, so, you know, just using a fungicide as a preventative is, is not a bad thing to do. Okay, thanks very much, Scott. Okay, thanks very much for that. Okay, bye. Bye, Cheryl. I couldn't think of anything worse then. I'd be, You'd be in, in hysterics. <laughs> You'd be having little box of tissues just, there, just wiping the tears away. Yep, just on my knees, just going, why? Why? What a waste. <laughs> why is the world so unkind? <laughs> <laughs> or is it Christine from Valentine? That's right. Oh, oh there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting down outside under the deck looking at my kiwi fruit yes. plants. Now, um, my, my son actually bought them about six years ago. They were supposed to be male and female. Yep. He had them growing in his, his uh, backyard until he shifted, and it's rented. So um, uh, somebody, well, one of the family mowed the lawn and mowed them to the ground. So Ooh. I dug them out and brought them to my place at Valentine. Yeah, yeah. And I've had them growing for four years. Now... I have had a kiwi fruit there before in exactly the same position, but because I had never tasted it, this is uh, 40 years ago, uh, I dug it out, (laughs) which I regret. Now, this is growing profusely. It has tendrils everywhere, but there's no flowers or fruit or anything. So I was wondering what, what I should do to it. Oh, and I, you're hoping you've still got the male and female there as well. I'm hoping. Oh, okay, yeah, because that that could be the the thing that's happened. Um, look, the only thing you can do to promote flowering is to start adding potash into the soil. Potash, yeah. yeah. So, and you'd start you doing that, uh, you know, regardless of it being flowering or not. Uh, yeah. Now, the other thing: are you fertilising it with anything at all at the moment? No, no. It's okay. sort of no. It's over up against a fence, and I have, um, you know, a, a, a trellis behind it to mm-hmm. put the leaves and that on it. But I haven't, I haven't done anything. It's next to a, a young berry plant, and it's going okay. Right. And uh, so, yes, no, where it is, um, I haven't. Because, yeah, because, you know, a, a sort of a, a trap for the young is that people often, uh, you know, use, gra- use grass clippings and poultry manure, no. and that's very high in nitrogen, no. so you won't get the no. flowering and the fruiting from the plant. Uh, look, no. unfortunately, with uh, kiwi fruit, they are sort of a bit difficult, and especially in your case, to actually work out whether one's male or female, um, yes. because you have to wait for them to flower. Yes. yes, and then the flowers, you can tell from the flowers which one is, you know, actually the male or female. The uh, the female has sort of um, a long, sticky uh, stigma that comes out of the centre of the bloom. Uh, right. But unfortunately, you're going to have to get it to, fl- you know, your plants to flower to try and work that one out. Uh, so look, again, you start uh, introducing potash into the soil and uh, yes. see, see how you go with that. Now, with when it loses its leaves yes. um, and I cut it back a bit, how much should I cut it back? Am I cutting off the wrong pieces? No, no, you can cut them back quite hard because they always will fruit from the new foliage, from the new growth. Oh, right. So I you're not you're not doing that. the bad thing there. A bad thing there. It might just be that you know you've one of them mightn't have made it, um, but right. still you should be getting fl- at least flowers on them. It's just that you need the you know the bees to pollinate between the two of them yes. to get them to actually fruit. But yeah, so you do right. you do need to try and get them to flower. The other thing, can I ask you about dragon fruit? Absolutely. Um, I have some, and it's 
they're in pots at the moment yes. and they are growing. But I do need, don't I, some sort of uh, wooden piece for them to, like, they stick on, don't they, with their little tendril things. Um, they, they, they're growing, they're tending, they're over near the kiwi and they tend to adhere to the fence. Oh yes, yeah, yes, yeah. I've I've seen them do that. Um, yeah, people sort of get them onto a wall or a fence so that they stick yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah. I ha- I have sort of seen them as, you know, I guess sort of almost held up as a a tree with them, you know, sort of trailing de- the you know the fruit trailing down yeah. off off them. So you can do that, but uh, I guess yes, you would have to try and get them up against something to you know some sort of trellis yeah, to yeah. try and yeah yeah. And do they do they need anything special to have them fruit? Uh, no, no, they, they're a pretty tough old plant. Um, they should fruit for you quite readily. Right here, yep. then. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, not that. a problem. Oh. You have a nice afternoon. Oh, okay. Oh, I am. I'm in the garden. Well, I will be in the garden again later. Uh, we, we can hear birds in the background as well, so that's quite yes, sweet. Yes, I yeah. do. I back, I'm at Valentine and we back on. We're off Riga Way and we back on to Bush, so oh. I have. Um, Lots of birds and that. So oh, very nice. And the water dragons. <laughs> ah, well, they're, they're really nice things. Yes, he's, he's, one comes up onto the back deck. Okay, so it's not like Game of Thrones then. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, have a nice afternoon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks, Christine. We're also from Valentine. We've got Steve, and he's got a question about Wollongby pine. Hey, Steve, how can we help you with it? Yeah. Uh, hi. How are we going? Yeah, pretty well. Good. Good. Um, I've got uh, two Wollamite pines in pots. Yes. And I've had them since uh, 06. They're about two metres high, and frequently I see wax um, dripping out of the trees. But yesterday I was looking at, at it and giving them a little pat, and I've got a, a strip of wax running out of one of them. It's nearly a foot long, this piece of wax running down. I was just wondering, do these things suffer with borers? Uh, they they can now. You're not talking about the sort of the white little frosty top that they get on the top of them, are you? It looks to be the same material, but it seems this bit that I'm concerned about, but it's actually coming out of the trunk. Right. Okay. It looks to be the same material that we get on the top. Okay. The other thing that they actually uh, can get is a fungal disease. Uh, now I remember we had some in at the Newcastle Museum. I'm actually not sure if they're there anymore. And at that that time, they were only quite sort of new, and we were working out ways to treat them. Uh, I thought at the time that they had some sort of, you know, sort of mite infestation. Um, But I think it, in fact, turned out that they had a fungal disease. Now, they weren't necessarily, um, uh, you know, sort of... displaying a sign you know that they were dripping whack uh you know the the sap or anything out of them um but uh, you know they can get fungal diseases like that so you know perhaps um you know getting some sort of fungicide like fungarid which is a systemic fungicide and uh using that um you know watering around the soil giving it a spray on there just to see what happens in that case um, but yes if your plant's getting quite old uh, they can actually get borers in them as well um, so you can treat for that, but you need to use an insecticide to treat for borer. Okay, all right. So uh, I don't have to go digging around with a bit of wire or anything like that. Uh, look, if you can, you actually find a definite hole that's coming out there, uh, or no, not from no, not without pulling the wax off the off the trunk. Okay, uh, I'd actually treat for with the with the fungicide first, just to see um, you know if that sort of slows it up, and uh, you know you get a result from that. 
Okay, uh, but otherwise, uh, you know, it's quite difficult to treat. Uh, you know, if you've got borers in the plant, because often you have to actually drill into the trunk and inject in. And if the plants aren't that large, it's, that's going to be very difficult for you to do. Yeah, yeah. They'd be about forty or fifty mil diameter of the trunk. Where, yeah, where so the often the other way to treat the borers is to you know make sure that the plant's well fertilised and that uh, you know it's being well watered as well just to try and uh, actually sort of push the borers back up out of the plant. Yep, yeah. okay. So, yeah, um, bor borers are difficult to treat on a small plant if that's what it's got. Uh, yep. Mate, if you want to send us a couple of photos as well, uh, you can always, always send it to us on our email address, which All is right, yeah. gardening yeah. at... Com. Yes, you, you yeah, think we would have okay. learned that after all this time. <laughs> but yeah. certainly certainly do that um, and, and we'll have a squeeze at it for you and have a talk about it if we can work out what it is, uh, you know, actually having a look at the photos. Yeah, okay. Okay. And what do other people do with these things as far as um, uh, shaping them or cutting them back? Does, yeah. And I keep thinking this thing's 60 million years old without me looking after it. Well, that's that's what I, I can never work out how they almost became extinct because, you know, my experience with them is that they're actually a pretty tough plant. They, you know, they'll grow almost indoors, uh, you know, in salt conditions, uh, you know, out in the full sun. They, they do very, very well. Uh, I've actually seen them bonsai as well. So, you know, you can give them a, a prune back if you want to. Um, you know, just to keep them into shape. Uh, I think they'd be one of those plants, though, that would be very slow to recover. Uh, yeah. So I think you just have to be careful about the way you're pruning it. You certainly wouldn't take out those main, uh, you know, that main leader. Otherwise, you would lose the shape of the plant. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. look, as far as pruning goes, just because of the speed, you know, the lack of speed that they have, I'd be very, very wary about over pruning it. Okay. Okay, thanks okay. very much for that. I'll get those photos to you. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much. That'd be fantastic. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, bye. cheers. Bye. bye. Cheers, Dave. It's Gardening Talkback on 2 and you are FM. You've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. And we've got Dave from Beresfield. He's got a question about the frangipani. Hey, Dave, how can we help you? Yeah, mate, how you going? Yeah, pretty well. Good. Um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a, a frangipani up the ball, halfway in the backyard, right up near against the fence. And there's one, well, it's a fairly old bush. It's been there for a long time. Well, I've been here 16 years. It's been there ever since. Yep. And there's one branch coming out the back. It's not real big. It's probably about, oh, oh I don't know, a couple of centimetres, or oh, probably two centimetres, three, five centimetres, probably across the base of it. Yes. On this one branch. I just wonder if I can cut, can I cut that off and, and replant it? Because I can't get any lower parts sitting on When I weather step, and I'm always chopped into it. I don't want to sort of chop the branch right off and throw it in the garbage, but... Yeah, no, look, you can, you can certainly uh, do that with a frangipani. Uh, look, the thing to do is to make sure it's really, you know, when you replant it to actually stake it because you don't want it wobbling around. Uh, look, yeah. usually what you would do, though, uh, it's, you know, not, not an ideal time to do it. Usually you'd uh, make the cut, uh, you know, when they've lost all their leaves in the middle of winter, and then you sort of let it uh... dry out and let the end of it dry out, and then you repot it. But, mate, that said, I have, uh, you know, cut, taken cuttings from plants, uh, you know, in the middle of summer and stuck them into pots and they still come good. So, you know, they're a really tough plant. Uh, if you want to give it a go, you might as well. You're not going to lose anything by doing it. No, nah, that's... Yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to go dig a bigger hole while you my yard, when it rains, which is not very often at the moment, but my yard's wet all the time yep. and everything seems to flourish in my yard for some reason. Yeah. I just wanted to... 
chop it off, do your hole, and put it back in the ground. Yeah, most certainly. Uh, look again, just stake it so it's not going to sort of wobble around because you know that that first uh, you know six to nine months, you know, it's not really going to have much of a root system. It's just going to sort of be sitting there, so you don't want yep. it, you know, flopping around. Uh, so yeah, make sure you oh, definitely okay. stake it so it's nice and tight in the ground. Right, on, mate. Okay. okay, I'll give that a go. Okay, good on you. Right, on, mate. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks, Dave. Bye bye. Right. And we've got Faye from Caves Beach, and she's got a question about the mango tree. Hey, Faye, how can we help you with it? Good, thank you. It's nice to speak to you. Thank you, Scott. Um, I've got two mango trees. One has not got one little flower or one little mango on it, and the other one is loaded and with mango about the size. Some are tennis ball size and some are golf ball size at this point, and they're green. They're not ready to eat yet. Will they be ready to eat, and how come I've got none on the other one? How many mangoes do you need? It sounds like you've got thousands on the one plant. and Yeah. So they're both Kensington Prides. Was one a, a, yep. a, a grafted one or a seed-grown one? Oh, Bunnings. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, sort of probably say that, but yes, yeah. I got them. They they weren't cheap. No, 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 no. Yeah, so it sounds like they they might have been both grafted ones in that case. And and look, in fact, they should grow, uh, you know, and, and fruit and flower at the same time. There is a difference between seed growing ones. They'll take a lot longer to actually uh, fruit and flower than the, the grafted ones. And that's why we largely, uh, you know, have grafted ones out there now. Uh, right. And look, they're close together as well. Eight to ten foot away. Oh, okay. So that's not too far away. So I was thinking, you know, one might be at the back of the yard and one might be at the front of the yard. Uh, in the middle, I've got a lemon tree. Mm-hmm. Now, the only thing you can really do is to try and promote fruit and flowering in the one that's not flowering. So you'd grab some potash and start, oh, yeah, start watering that into the soil. Uh, look, you Good. can use that every couple of weeks if you want to. Don't do it, you know, just before it's going to flower. You actually start building it up in the soil now. And, you know, right. just hopefully try and, uh, you know, sort of stun it into flowering for you next year. Hmm. Yeah. Great. And so, look, na- nature's nature. Um, look, I'm different to Greg. Greg's different to me. Um, yeah. You know, we do different things. And, you know, plants are, are the same. You know, they do different things and react different ways. So I thought one might be a male and one might be a female. And the, the male one just ain't going to give me any mango. No, I thought, yeah, you're going to say the male one's being lazy, aren't you? Yeah, yeah I was. just sitting sitting around having a beer, you know, watching the, the cricket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I, I I don't know. I, I I can't vouch for that that guy. That's what Greg and Sounds I. Sounds like a good mango. That's tree, what, what we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I do. I had about uh, twenty off the other one last year, and now it's sort of grown a bit as well. Now, yeah. I've had it absolutely loaded, and they were absolutely the best Kensington Pride flavour. But I tell you what, I've been getting trouble in the shops. They're not. They're trying to bung on that they're Kensington and they're not. I know that. You you never know what the shops are trying to do, do you, these days? Oh, believe me. I've got a friend who had a farm up at Bowen and she told me how you tell the difference of them. The Kensington Pride ones won't stick in your teeth like fibery like the other ones do. Oh, look, I I thought that was just as you get older, things start to stick in your teeth. That's what happens to me now. No, no, no. She lived on a farm and she told me that last year and I had a mango farm up at Bowen and I tell you what, she knew the mangoes inside out because there was a shop, I won't mention the name, no. and 
telling them, and I said, have you got any Kensington Pride? And the fellow said, yes, over there. And I said, oh, really? And they weren't Kensington Pride because we bought the four in the pack and went home and tested them because she showed me. She said, they're not Kensington Pride. And do you know that when I asked for them, I decided to bring up the people that own the shop, big company, and guess what? They were put on the shop as tropical fruits next time. Not Kensington Pride. Ah, oh, okay, yes. I think they were caught out. Yes, mm. okay. So, mm. yeah, look, I'd be getting, uh, yeah, some potash and, and adding it to that. Uh, start doing that, uh, you know, well before uh, flowering season next year and, and enjoy the ones that are uh, on your, you know, fruiting on your existing one. Yeah, I'm waiting for them. Then I'll probably have to put the covers on because the possums will come along. They walk along the colourbond fence and they line them up which one they're going to take and the biggest and the best and they just take it. Snap, uh, it's gone. They're, they're savvy little buggers, those ones. Fruit, the uh, fruit are. bats as well, so yeah. Nice. I'll get that one tonight, you know, and you go inside, you shoo them away, but they go back. Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. well, thank you we'll so much on your phone. for that. Here it comes. You have a nice Thanks afternoon. So. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And we've got Dot now from Adora Creek, and she's got a question about passion fruit. Hey, Dot, how can we help you? Um, good stuff. Look, I bought this black passion fruit, and it's called Passiflora edulis, E-D-U-L-I-S, and it says, pick the fruit when the skin has turned purple and is still smooth, but do not eat until the skin is wrinkled. Well, I've got oodles of passion fruit. They're green. They go yellow, and that's it. And when they drop, I pick them up. They've got plenty of, um, you know, innards in them, all right, yeah. but not quite as sweet as a black passion fruit. So what's going wrong? Is this a wrong plant or something? Yeah, so you're saying they're actually ripe and tasty when they're dropping, are they? They're... They're still yellow. They yeah. go a yellowy okay. colour and they drop. Yeah, so look, it's, it sounds like you might have just had a mislabel on that. It does happen out there in the world. Um, so, you know, the, you know, a, a nursery, a wholesale nursery is obviously, you know, growing a whole lot of different passion fruits and they might have got mixed up uh, and, you know, they just put the wrong label in it. But as long as they're still, you know, nice and sweet, um, yeah, go for it. Not quite as sweet, but I mean, say so I add a bit of sugar to them anyway <laughs> when I'm cooking because I usually put them in uh, rhubarb with pies and things like that or with apple when I'm cooking. Yeah. Um, and also I've got a, a Queensland Golden Glow and it's still, that's yellow too. So that would that be right? Yes, that, that, that sounds right. I, I think you've just had a mislabel on the plant by the sounds of things. Yes, well, it's... It, well, what the label says, the plants are the bright, glossy leaves and purple-white flowers, and there's oodles of them, but I couldn't understand why they didn't turn black. <laughs> that's that's all it's going to be. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, also, there's um, about my Tazuka Cower tree. Um, where's the label? Oh. Um, they did tell me it, um, it's got this... Um, it's a New Zealand Christmas bush, and it's got all these... Um, look like bushy things. I thought it might have been mistletoe or whatever, but they tell me it's natural. It's putting out these uh, root sort of things for for water. Oh, so you've you've got a, a New Zealand Christmas bush putting out aerial roots, have you? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That, that's quite common. Don't don't be worried about that. Um, well, some of the tree is uh, some of the limbs are dead. Yes. That's why I 
it was out in flower absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's been in over 30 years. Oh, okay. So, look, the plant might be a little bit old and stressed then. They can get borers in them as well. Have you ever give, given the plant a bit of a prune back? Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. I did quite a few years ago. Well, I'm starting to cut the dead wood out now. Yes. And, uh, of course, when I looked at it, there is new shoots coming on some of the other branches. So I thought maybe it might be on the way out or... Well, I just cut the dead wood out. Yeah, look, look, cut the dead wood out. But I, I guess, like uh, like all of us, unfortunately, you know, plants do also have a use by date. And uh, sometimes, you know, if if you're starting to get a lot of dye back in the plant, it might be time to replace it. Uh, aerial roots can be a sign of a little bit of stress on the plant. And so, when you said that, uh, you know, you are getting some dye back, that's probably why it's doing that. But look, a good hard prune back, uh, you know, certainly won't hurt, hurt the plant. It'll probably, in fact, um, you know, quite help it a lot. Good. Maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I need a prune. <laughs> it doesn't work with us, Dot. <laughs> we don't grow back. <laughs> no, I know. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a nice afternoon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Dot. Bye-bye. Thanks, Dot. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 RFM. We've got Anne from Madawi, and she's got a way of getting rid of grubs in native plants. How can we help you, Anne? Yes. Um, I found that the, the grubs that leave the little sawdusty heaps yes. you know, on the outside of the trunk, I take that off and get, I get... Um, just kitchen dishwashing detergent, put it in a syringe and squirt that in and you wait and then the grub comes climbing up and you grab it with tweezers and pull it out. Oh, that's a good idea. And so that gets rid of them. Yeah, so you're just sort of driving it out. Look, that's that's great. Um, you need to be able to identify the hole. Sometimes you can't do that. Um, but look, that's a fantastic idea if people are out there and they can see that frass, you know, that sawdusty stuff coming out from yes. the borer and they can pull out it away, like you said. And yep. then just uh, you know carefully inject that down there and uh, wait around and pull it out and then uh, feed it to the birds doesn't or, take long. or kill it. Yeah. No, no, yeah, they, it doesn't. Take long. Yeah, and look, the amount of damage that those borers can do very quickly. Oh yes. Oh yeah, they they get in there and they have a mighty feed. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Yes, I just watch out for the little bundles of sawdust and check them regularly. Yeah, particularly Lil- when the trees are young and yeah, yeah. lily pillies yep. can get them quite bad. Um, yeah, yeah, and so again, but you know, if unfortunately if you've got a big infestation, you know, with you know many you know holes in the plants, it can take you some time to go through and do that, and you miss some. Uh, but look, that's a great idea. Thanks very much for that. Yep. Okay, a non-chemical thing. Yes, it? yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. Okay, okay, cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Scott Sharp, we are almost out of time for another week, believe it or not. Oh. It's flown by. It has flown by again, yeah. So next week is our last. It's our last. So we'll have to talk about the fastest growing trees. Yes. And, yes. And all the slowest. Or the sl- and the slowest as well, yes. We'll have to get to that. Righto. We'll keep our promise for next week. Okay. So, but do you want to do it now or? Oh, you want to do it now? You can. Oh, okay. We've, yeah. we've still got some time up well, our see, sleeve. We, see, we, were, we, we had this uh, family discussion yep. uh, about uh, how fast a radiata pine will grow because we were talking about right. Christmas trees. Yep. And uh, the, uh, the elder member of the family, mm-hmm. well, she thought that they were fairly slow growing. Oh, right. Yes. Is she wrong? Yes. Oh. Yeah, well, look, that almost goes without saying. But It's always good when the eldest sibling... Is wrong. Oh, no, no. It was the oldest member of the family. Oh, yes. That's even better. Yes. We won't name, mention her name. Sometimes she comes and does the gardening show here. Yep. Yep. We won't mention the name at all. No, I no. Think my people have worked out. Yeah, then that's good. Uh, Radiata pines apparently will actually grow about 0.8 or 0.9 uh, meters, so about 90 centimeters per year. 
And as with most plants, they slow up as they get um, older and, and bigger. I guess yep. it's just, you know, they have to get the energy up higher. So, But uh, look, I've got some information here about phenomenal plant rates that we can talk about next week. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Scott Sharp. And we'll say, what are we going to do next week? Last one? Anything special? Oh, look, uh, what about some carols? You limber up and uh, sing some for me? Yeah, no worries. Yep, jingle bells, yep. Bring my snowman outfit as well. Okay, nice stuff. Not quite sure why, but Uh, I will. (laughs) It'll look good. Scott Sharp, look forward to you again next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.